Thanks for listening to the Get Over Yourself podcast brought to you by Carol Fit Stationary Bike Program 8-Minute Workouts to Get Super Fit. Perfect Keto, the cleanest, highest potency ketone supplements. MOFO, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Let's get checked at home testing kits. Try lgc.com. Almost heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits. Brad's macadamia masterpiece, the mind-blowing nut butter blend. And check out bradkearns.com slash shop my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. Any amount of discomfort that runs through your body is an emotional response. It's biological, it's anger, it's disappointment, it's frustration, it's jealousy, whatever it is, is only being produced because the programming in your brain, your body, your person, your upbringing, Compared to the stimulus that you're experiencing produces bo- I'm bothered. My spirituality is to go beyond the programming, to stop with the program, and decide what I want to do. Decide if I like this. Decide if this meets my goals. You can make choices like running and exercising smart. We can make choices like jumping in cold water because we know it's good for us. We can make choices like intermittent fasting because we know it's good for us. We can make choices like getting in positive relationships. And I I wrote this in one of my quotes. Wisdom is knowing what situations are loving and supporting for us. Power is staying in them. Welcome back, I think, for the third time, maybe the fourth time. It's Dave Rossi, author of The Imperative Habit my spiritual guide and mentor. This guy is on such an amazing and wonderful path, rethinking all these flawed notions that have become part of culture where we identify and attach ourselves to the outcome of what we're doing. That's why I love him on the podcast. He honors the theme of getting over yourself and just being present and accepting. Remember his seven habits from his book, The Imperative Habit. Number one is accept. Number two is do not fear the outcome. Number three, happiness as a practice. And his tidbit there is to remove the things in your life that make you unhappy and all you're left with is happiness. (sighs) Number four, be present. Number five, do not judge. Number six, respond. Uh, Did you say respond instead of react? Yes, he did. Respond with love and compassion at all times. And number seven is have faith. So I think you will love the first two shows I did with him where he talked uh, a little more in depth about the content of his book. But in this show, it feels like kind of an open mic night. We actually just kept the recording going after we did our formal uh, program where Dave Rossi interviewed me. Uh, But I said, you know what? I got to keep recording because every time you wind this guy up, he will unload with a stream of incredible insights. Uh, Many of them are pretty uh, complex and in-depth. So you have to reflect, maybe uh, push the back button on the uh, on your recording device, your podcast playing device, and listen again. That's what I do, because some of it just is uh, really tough to grasp uh, out of the out of the uh, gate, or he'll make a profound comment that requires a lot of reflection. So yeah, don't do the 1.5 or the 1.7 size speed on this show. Do it at 1.0, 1.25 at least. Listen, enjoy. Dave Rossi, Uh, And you know what we picked up was when he asked me on my interview, 
when he interviewed me, he says, what are you uh, not revealing to your audience? And I finally came up with something and we're going to get into that at the start of the show and then carry on. We're going to bring in some insights from the amazing Mark Manson, the modern philosopher of our times, number one best-selling author of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck and his sequel book, Everything is Fucked, a book about hope. I had him on the show. It was a life-changing interview. And a lot of Dave's work is sort of aligned with this new look at spirituality, this kind of uh, broader perspective than the things that have brought us to present day with sort of these uh, dated and uh, constrained ideals in society. Yes, a wild show indeed. So the interview jumps into an abrupt starting point because I just pushed the record button while we were talking offline after he finished interviewing me for that podcast. And we get into the juicy topic of what am I hiding or not being fully authentic uh, as a podcast host? And I finally realized maybe I'm not uh, as confrontational uh, as some other people because I don't like the conflict and I just let my guest uh, roll and go with the flow and be the the honored guest on the podcast. But uh, Dave is making a great point about calling people out and having it be okay once in a while to get into contention and controversy, whether it's in real life or on a podcast. So that's the jumping in point. Let's hear what Brad Kearns has to say when he's backed into a corner. Oh, interesting stuff. Here we go, Dave Rossi. And then we get uh, further into a really good groove into his major takeaway, actionable insights about spirituality and looking at the world and looking at yourself in a different way, much more healthy. Yeah, here we go. I'm not trying to change your mind. Granted, if you fight too hard for your side, it's now edging trying to change their mind. So you, you say it once, look, I don't, I don't understand it that way. I could be wrong. I may not understand it entirely well, but that's what I think right now. You right. Sense, and you'll never argue with your guests. I think you have to call people out on that. Uh, yeah, so that, that's, that's what I'm hiding is that, you know, that, that speaking my truth at the expense of being controversial. And it might not be in a, a guest format because, you know, I'm, I'm inviting guests that are uh, in, in some ways uh, contributing to the confirmation bias. I'm not going to have people on there that are uh, extremely radical or, or, or disparate to what I believe is important, right? Although I did try to get Rip on there for a healthy exchange of a counter opinion, but also just offering that opinion out. Uh, about real life circumstances. I try to stay away from politics on the show because you can uh, consume politics on other shows. But, you know, oh, part of me wants it. to, what's that? We only see a very small percentage of the light spectrum. Yeah. And <laughs> how do we fucking know what a planet looks like when we only see a very small percentage of the light spectrum? Like anything that we think we know, even from science, is so jaded from our minimal ability to comprehend certain concepts. So yeah. every opinion that you have and every opinion that the, he has is certainly and completely biased to your own programming and your own way in which you're filtering science. So it's okay to say, I don't understand it the same way. And that debate to me is incredibly healthy because I, I don't know which way to go. I want to hear what you have to say. And I want to hear what you have to say. And I understand your programming is different and your background is different. And I understand your programming is different and your background is different. And I don't even know where my programming and background fits in. But listening to both of you speak about your opinions helped me kind of figure out how it fits into my decision-making process. That debate is really healthy to me. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. And it's probably, we probably have enough, uh, 
you know, backstabbing and criticisms to go around. So I don't need to slam David Goggins on my show for uh, putting out a message that can be, you know, extremely warped and unhealthy and, you know, indicative of his uh, void in his life that he's trying to fill by doing extreme endurance challenges and, and glorifying those, uh, which many people are drawn to uh, at the expense of their marriage, their health, their pr- uh, balanced lifestyle, their role as a parent. You know, they're out there pedaling their bicycle, uh, training for the Ironman, and it's really escaping uh, facing the reality of their life. But you're not going to hear me say that on a show and criticize the the endurance movement in that manner or the ultra runners that, you know, uh, I know well, and love many that. of them. But Let's reframe that. I would reframe that and say, has nothing to do with Dave Goggins and God bless him for doing what he's doing. I only wish, I only wish that listeners can open their minds to new perspectives. Hmm. and see different ways in which endurance training could also be accomplished, other ways in which it could be accomplished. And that clearly he's um, gaining a lot of listeners that are drawn to that one type. And I hope those listeners can open their minds and expand their programming to be open to higher levels and different levels of endurance training than just that. <laughs> right, just the, the lowest common denominator, how much can you suffer? That's well, kind of how I would frame that and, yeah. and have nothing against what Dave says, and I don't want to say anything insulting against his listeners because they're all operating at their highest level of consciousness. Yeah. They, and, and let's use their highest level of intelligence instead of consciousness or their highest level of understanding instead of the word consciousness. They're all operating at their highest level of consciousness, understanding, and intelligence. And I wish they could up-level or upgrade those levels to connect to, listen to, understand, and maybe apply other types of endurance training practices. Well, I wonder uh, what you think of this. When you frame that message so gracefully, uh, sometimes in life, it just kind of uh, flies over people's heads because it's not hard hitting enough. Mm-hmm. And maybe we uh, get a bigger wake up call. And of course, this is what the uh, the uh, salacious news broadcasts are about is, is the shock value of the news gets higher ratings. And so, you know, here I am on my show being uh, making graceful, respectful commentary uh, with all about all with and about all my guests and about all the stuff that's going on. And I'm never really calling people out in that aggressive manner, but in my own life and my own personal life, the people who have, you know, uh, been the most extreme in their point of view uh, have, uh, influenced me, uh, more than, more than anyone else. And I have, you know, great, uh, appreciation for people that, you know, get, get in my face and call out, call me out on my bullshit or whatever in a manner that I would never do myself. It's sort of like, uh, you know counter to how I operate and I, I appreciate it. Things, I think you're saying two things. Number one, when you say extreme, you, you out you you have when you're defining something as something and you're you're using the word extreme as a definition, you have to be comparing it to some other standard. So you're saying, hey, this this guy's giving me extreme advice, but that extreme advice is you determining it's extreme based on what you think is mm-hmm. not extreme. Mm-hmm. And so that's resonating with you. And I think what you're also saying is that a lot of people who are extreme based on maybe uh, um, the masses have a larger following and have more appeal and they're getting more followers mm-hmm. and more, more attention. 
and and that is the lowest common denominator for these audiences. Mm. Yes, that may be, but there's only so many people that that are along the path far enough from the caterpillar to the butterfly that are going to speak butterfly language. And that's okay. There might be a lot more butter, a lot more caterpillars out there than butterflies. Dr. David Hawkins in his science says 78% of the population is below the vibrational energy level of positive and negative energy. 78% of the world is below the positive line between positive vibrated energy and negative vibrated energy, which says 78% of the population to me is on the caterpillar side Mm -hmm. and the butterfly side. And so for me, the, the spiritual value or spiritual rule that I want to uphold is to continue to espouse what I feel strongly about, where my knowledge base sits. And I got to tone the words I use down sometimes or explain things more caterpillar-esque, but I'm not changing the fact that I'm shooting high mm-hmm. and I'm asking people to shoot high. And I think you're the same way. You can't be Dave Goggins and speak grunt caterpillar to a lot of people that like it you're speaking to people that want to be athletes that want to have peak performance and that's going to be a smaller audience and the the real thing is to convert the people at the lower levels of consciousness or the lower levels of endurance understanding or the lower lower levels of endurance intelligence and bring them up the market is big to bring them up yeah we're hitting this market up here and, and other people are hitting it down there. That's great. Like people compare some of my stuff a little bit uh, as like the next step past a Michael Singer or a Gabby Bernstein. And sort of the Angela, the girl that I'm seeing, love Gabby. And then she's like, yeah, you know, it's not so interesting anymore. Huh. It's not so appealing anymore. Because now she's going into deeper, deeper understandings of the word gratitude than the way she uses gratitude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's enough. It doesn't have enough teeth. She's yeah. graduating to a more intense or deeper understanding of consciousness or a higher level of intelligence, you know? Yeah. Stepping stone. Sure. And you can, you can have those healthy debates and not have conflict. I think you should tell yourself that, look, I want to have a, I want to, I want to share my view without a conflict way and see, and see where that goes. I like it. Yeah. That's, that's um, definitely, I can strive to do that. I think Better. that's good. I think that's healthy. Yeah. And I think yeah. Terry guys, look, I'm not, a, I don't, I'm not calling you to be a yes man. I obviously love what you're doing and love your science and I love your products, but you know, in all honesty, I got to keep it real and, and, and that may come out. So just be aware. Love yeah. it. Right. Well, maybe, maybe it'll come out first between me and you on the next show. I don't know, all Dave, right. where do you get it. off saying that? Yeah, let's try it. All right, man. No, I, I absolutely really, really love that, that part of it. Okay. There's people that I talk to that I think um, are, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way at all, just have a lower level of understanding to spirituality or consciousness. And they'll say things to me. And all I want to say is, wow, like you really don't understand this at all. But I always stop myself and I say, before I think that, maybe I don't. Whew. Love it. Yeah. I got to really, really, now I'm someone that practices this every day. I'm like you, I'm reading every day. I'm practicing every day. I'm meditating twice a day. I'm really pushing my brain and pushing my vulnerability and surrendering and accepting and letting go and letting myself, 
you know, follow the laws of the universe, right? And I'll find someone that maybe has like listened to a couple of soul super soul Sundays and they're telling me what is is. And I'm about to go like ah, and they go, maybe I don't know. Maybe they are right. What could I what could I be missing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You have to go there. What can I learn from them, even though right. they seem to know less than me? Just like my example of learning from my kid, uh, yeah. you know, the know-it-all parent throwing down the hammer. And then the kid yeah. takes the hammer and, and redirects it uh, uh, skillfully. Yeah, those are wonderful experiences. Yeah, and so I think for you, the debate is good because, and I don't, I love those debates because even if you challenged me, I would go, hmm, maybe you're right. I don't know. This is what I've come to know, but you could be right. I will think about that. I absolutely could be right. I don't. Yeah. I think that's healthy. Well, and actually mean it too, because I'm the type of person that will say that. And uh, really, I'm crossing my fingers thinking you're so full of shit. But thank you yeah. for that insight. I'll think about that. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just like you told me the steps of, you know, I asked you, so I'm understanding, you know, John Gray's insights to be calm, cool, collected male, emotional regulation and, and you know, keep, keep things uh, uh, under control. Uh, but then what if I'm uh, doing, you know, my, my partner do, does something that annoys the crap out of me, but I smile, I don't react, I'm okay. But inside I have that reaction. And you said like the next level of growth is to not have it annoy the crap out of you either. So not only do you not have a reaction, you well, the first also level of aren't, is, aren't, aren't bothered by it. The first level of growth is not saying it because that consummates a neuro right. And I'll use a couple other famous people here. It was Epictetus, a Greek philosopher who was the basis for Dr. Albert Ellis's groundbreaking therapy of modern day cognitive behavioral therapy. It was Epictetus that said, it's not events that make you upset, it's your belief in them that does. And so when you're about to get angry, it's a belief that, that this shouldn't be happening to you. So the first thing we have to do, and I said this in my book is, and I'll get this from Viktor Frankl, grab that moment in time between stimulus and response where all your growth is. If you can't say or do exactly what you want to do to make your life better, then you're not conscious. And as you begin to grab that moment in time, like Viktor Frankl talked about in his book, the moment in time between stimulus between stimulus and response is a small moment in time. And in that moment in time, all of our growth comes from. If you can't grab that moment in time, then you're instantly doomed. And once you have the awareness to grab that moment in time in an argument, and then number two, think about your goal. What's my goal? To have a wonderful relationship with this person. What can I say next to meet that goal? If you can't do exactly what you think in your heart will get you closer to that goal, then you're not conscious. Mm -hmm. And that's a powerful thing to have that level of consciousness. Yeah, you're out of control if you can't you can't control your response. You're well, a victim. One, you're a victim. You're a victim of all the mean people in your life. What's that? You're you're a victim of all these people that have wronged you in your life every day. Yes. Right? Yeah. And any level of of being bothered, this is where the emotion stuff comes in. Any, and I said this in my book, you know, cause effect, cause stimulus, effect emotion. Okay, cause stimulus. My wife is yelling at me here. She leave a towel on the floor or whatever. 
any amount of discomfort that runs through your body is an emotional response that's biological, it's anger, it's disappointment, it's frustration, it's jealousy, whatever it is, is only being produced because the programming in your brain, your body, your person, your upbringing, can, can, compared to the stimulus that you're experiencing, produces, bo I'm bothered. If that programming was different, you came from a poor town in India, or you came from Africa, or you came from a calm Japanese home, and your wife did this, you would have no emotion. Your emotion would be different if the programming was different. I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near infrared for red light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The the benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right, get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for BRAD podcast listeners. Just visit mitoredlight, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. And do you believe the programming was uh, mostly loaded between age zero and seven, like Bruce yeah, Lipton? And, yeah. Lipton talks about that, but it continues. So this is what happens from zero to seven your operating system gets developed, your lenses, and then you begin to look at all new programming through those lenses. You're constantly being programmed, but you're programmed on the train tracks of the predominant zero to seven train tracks. 
I look at things negative. So your whole life is still gathering programming, but it's on this train track. To confirm the train track. Well, it's any, any way you grew up. See, look, the human body has one prerequisite for survival. And Dr. Stephen Hawkins said this. And what is the prerequisite for survival? Don't say intelligence. One prerequisite for survival? Yes. Uh, I guess being able to breathe comes to mind. Well, I mean, your species. It's adaptability. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The species that is the most adaptable will survive. Yeah. But the human body is adaptable, but it also has a thing called homeostasis. And so from zero to seven, the reason why our brain is programmed the way it is, is to survive in the environment that it's in. It's like a tree growing around a rock to look for light. We are a biological unit looking to survive in the environment that we're put, put in. Oh, there's a rock in my way. I'm going to grow over here and get away from this rock so I can get some light. And then we begin to change environments. And the homeostasis is like, wait a minute, this is not the environment I'm used to surviving in. I need to get back to this environment. I need to, I, breaking homeostasis is difficult. Mm-hmm. We're, we're only adaptable to a point because we may be out of our element and survival is back in our element. So we fight to get back. That's why we hate change so much. It's a biological impediment to survival, to change, albeit adaptability is our survival skill. You see what I'm saying? Sure, sure. We're, we're compelled to in uh, life or death circumstances of uh, evolution, evolutionary pressures, selection pressures. So our, most of our existence has been uh, the, the compulsion to adapt or die. And so now finally we're here in, in comfortable modern life where we don't really have to. Uh, we can sit and play video games and order pizza on DoorDash uh, for the rest of our lives. And that's where uh, we, we suffer and we lose our potential for happiness and contentment because we're, we can be turned into softies that have no, uh, right. no, no, no adaptability and no, no departure from homeostasis. Right, but it's survivability. Right? And th- those moments are the human body as a biological unit, like a tree or a dog or a worm, has one algorithm which is survival and comfort falls into that algorithm of survival and so a kid playing video games is in a comfort zone right that's a biological drive and an addiction to comfort it's chemicals being injected for comfort and spirituality to me is making choices beyond the body like i'm gonna go jump in a cold tub i don't know about you but it's tough every single day i jump in that tub has it gotten easier for you hasn't gotten easier for me it's gotten easier. It hasn't yeah. for both. I get uh, warmer faster. Uh, but the part that's easier is once you get in yeah. and uh, go into my breathing. But I still tell the story in my mind every day. Like, you know what? I should really sweep the kitchen floor first. <laughs> and then uh, I'll, put the, uh, I'll put the crock pot stuff on and yeah. start that eight-hour timer and then go in the cold tub. And I realize, oh, you're doing it again. So that part, I think... Um, I, I can't say I've overcome that where I'm just like, uh, so Jocko, you know, Let's talk about that. Why is that? Why, why I want, I know, I want to know what, you know, why is that? Yeah. It's, it's uncomfortable. Right. So it's the yeah. biology, right. It's the biological side looking for survival. And the reason why you get in is your spiritual side saying, mm. I'm going to go beyond what my body wants. And I'm going to consciously make a choice above my biology to do what I know is good for me. 
I guess that's the same for someone who's trying to run their hundred mile run or climb to the top of the mountain is they diet have. Yeah. Yeah. Or or change the diet, I guess, because relationships, how so in relationships, sex being swayed by someone that's biologically more compatible chemistry. I'm going to go sway towards chemistry, even though I know this is bad for me. Yeah. Way by chemistry because yeah. I always pick the wrong mate because I, I don't know, I'm really drawn to them. That's programming. Everything you like, including the color, has been programmed. Now, I'm not saying that someone just plugs something in your head and you're like, oh, you're going to like this. No, it's something you are exposed to. And just because you're exposed to the color red doesn't mean you're going to love the color red. It means the color red is going to affect you. You may hate the color red because you're exposed to color red, but the point is you were programmed because you're getting this in you. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And so now you're pro- everything you like is programmed. Everything. Every opinion you have is on your program. There is no independent thought in your brain because the, the innards, the computer part of your brain has been programmed. So if we're awakening to this idea and maybe frustrated that um, we're, you know, we're, we're in a rut, we keep getting drawn to the wrong things or things that end up making us feeling unhappy, how do we escape and kind of open the programming, <laughs> turn on the, uh, the, the software to, to get rewritten? Well, number one, you said the word happiness and you said it in a way as if happiness always isn't always within you. So that's, that's, a, that's a belief that you have to have a thing to make you happy. And certainly people want to feel happy. And because they want to feel happy, they think they need things to make them happy. And you really don't. Well, and what if I have shitty programming and I keep right. playing out this shitty programming? Right. Yeah. You got to change the programming. So that's where consciousness comes in. That's where spirituality comes in. That's where I use athletics as an example. My legs are tired. You need to stop running now, Brad. No, I'm training. I want to get a world record because I love world records and I'm Brad Kearns and I'm super awesome. So I'm going to keep on going. No, Brad, seriously, like our legs are really tired. We have lactic acid and the muscles are giving us signals that this is really bad. Yeah, I know legs, this is really bad, but I'm going to keep on going. And you can use that same example with happiness. Look, you're really unhappy. Great. Happiness doesn't come from things. I'm going to reprogram my brain with happiness. It doesn't come from things. No, seriously, like we love to eat ice cream at night and we're, we're kind of sad and ice cream makes us feel really, really good. Yeah, but happiness doesn't come from things like ice cream. I know it feels good, but it's not really good. It's a biological chemical of happiness like serotonin or dopamine or the little stuff in my brain that, that, that happens to me when I eat ice cream. Okay, so let's not do it. Okay, I won't do it, but I'm in a bad mood, so I'm going to go yell at my spouse. And that's going to make me feel better. And now I'll be happy. Happiness doesn't come from things. Happiness doesn't come from somebody else. Happiness doesn't come from anything external. I'm going to reprogram my brain and realize that happiness comes from within. And when you reprogram your brain to realize that you don't need ice cream to be happy, then guess what happens? You don't need ice cream to be happy. It doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't mean that ice cream won't make you happy. Sure it will. It's a chemical happiness. It's a difference between happiness as an emotion and happiness as a state of being. They're two different things. There is something driving you to want to eat that ice cream. Let's remove that cause. Then the need will go away. And what's left is happiness. 
right? You get out of your own way. Yes. And all of a sudden you open yourself up to <laughs> life ain't that bad after all. If I could just uh, turn off my, my internal tapes that are telling me I'm not good enough or, or what have you. Well, and all that programming, when you understand that your, your brain is like a computer and your consciousness is the user, right? So I'm, I'm the user and I'm going to hit play on the program and I'm going to go to sleep over here. The user, the consciousness goes and the program is now running. Hey, we just got a stimulus. Someone has told us we're a shithead. Oh, fuck that person. Let's swear at them. Now I feel like shit, like they don't like me. But then they told this girl I like that I'm a shithead too. That makes me feel really uncomfortable. I'm going to go need ice cream now because I don't I feel like shit. Oh, I feel really guilty. I ate ice cream. Now I'm going to go run at six at night because I ate a ton of ice cream and feel guilty. And I'm flooded with hormones of guilt, right? When the consciousness or the user is gone, we want to bring that user back and go, whoa, 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 whoa. They can call us a shit. That's okay. Yeah. My spirituality is to go beyond the programming. To stop the program. And decide what I want to do. Decide if I like this. Decide if this meets my goals. What response meets my goals? My goals are to live a happy life and to be kind to others and, and to love my spouse and raise wonderful kids and all these things that I want. What is the response that I need, need to give this person to get my goals met or get closer to them that's just like athletics right what do i need to do to keep on running to meet my goal of becoming a world champion having that power over your body like you do with jumping in water you need to use for everything fear stress anxiety doubt self-esteem what i like what i don't like and what happens when you do that is you 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 stop liking anything because you really don't care about anything and you're really pretty happy <laughs> you know? yeah then it, then it uh, gives you the freedom to, let's say, uh, manifest more wealth or whatever, uh, whatever these things that we obsess on and, and get negative about. Well, it gives you power to make choices like, I, I don't really need to eat that. I can fast. And that's cool because me feeling hungry is just the hormone of ghrelin in my stomach as a signal from my brain saying, you, you need food. And right. that signal goes down and then ghrelin is the hormone that says you're hungry motherfucker. And then it starts doing other things to your body and then it becomes this powerful drive to eat when it's just a biological response of your body running the way it's supposed to run. You yeah. Know? A ghrelin subsides in 20 minutes it right. goes away. The effects go away, but we're, we're programmed to respond to that because we yeah. feel we're hungry. Doesn't mean we actually need to eat. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing with, because I want to have hit that hit on that girl. Doesn't mean I actually should. It's right. a biological response to procreate with someone that matches my programming of what I think is attractive. Yeah. So when I see a lot of these studies um, by a lot of people like Renee Brown, who I love, by the way, but she has a lot of studies. And, and the book that you, the, the, um, the book that you sent, that you told me to read on uh, the obesity code, mm. all those studies are probably with people that don't have any power of choice over their bodies. <laughs> all that stuff is uh in, in a way can be uh d discounted because they're taking the uh control group as like uh they're, they're robots yeah that's right they're, they're biological units that they feel hungry they eat yeah right and so those yeah. studies don't take into account what what choices we can make when we have the power over our biology because we can make choices like running and exercising smart we can make choices like jumping in cold water because we know it's good for us. 
We can't make choices like intermittent fasting because we know what's good for us. We can't make choices like getting in positive relationships. And I, I wrote this in one of my quotes. Wisdom is knowing what situations are loving and supporting for us. Power is staying in them. <laughs> what do you mean by power? Like having power or I being powerful? Staying in the situations that are loving and supporting. It's sometimes very difficult to understand what situations are loving and supporting. We can get very confused by that. Our biology can be delusional. Our biology can drive us to say, well, I really could eat. Well, I really don't need to jump in that cold water. Well, well I really did it yesterday, and I really kind of do enough. Our brains have been clinically proven to trick us. Uh-huh. And it's really in the book, Thinking Fast and Slow, if you've read that book, he talks about this experiment that they ran about a gorilla running through a basketball court, and people didn't see it. And then they said, there was no gorilla that ran across a basketball court. And they said, yes, there was. And people are arguing, no, there wasn't. Yes, there was. Fuck you. I didn't see a gorilla. Yeah. I would see a gorilla. And then they would play a tape when they go, holy shit, I didn't even see that. Yeah, it's the gorilla our study. Can, right, our one brains can trick us. the most that. famous studies in psychology. Yeah, you, you had to count the number of times. Yeah. They said count the number of times you see the basketball uh, getting thrown and caught. And yeah. then uh, no, one, no one noticed the gorilla. Incredible, yeah. And the brain will fool us into thinking something that's true when it maybe it's not true. Yeah. And, and because of that, we have to be really, really careful about what's real and what's not real because we can get fooled. Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one -on -one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. How does that right. apply to our discussion about manifesting and, uh, you, you know, altering your, your course of your destiny to create exactly what you want in life? 
Well, I wrote about this in my book and I don't know how effective it was, um, but you have to have authentic goals because your brain can, can trick you into an unauthentic goal. Like I have a friend of mine who was a CEO, made tons of money. She was a movie director, um, hit the highest highs of, of success and basically hit the, the lowest lows. And she's doing Do Dispenza and she's reading this and she's doing that. And I've, I've coached her a little bit and, and I'm more of the, you know, tough love kind of thing. Right. And I'm going to teach you, not coach you. I'll tell you what lessons I've learned from ancient texts and from experience. Right. And she comes to me every couple so often and asks questions like, it's not working. Why isn't it working? And I keep on telling you, you got to let go. You got to surrender. You got to give up. And she keeps on saying, I don't understand what that means. So, well, someday you will. And she keeps on coming back and she says, Dave, I'm doing everything right. Why am I not making money? Well, there you have it. Your intentions are not for the right reasons. Yeah. Well, it's a perfect reason. I have to survive. I need money to survive. But there's a, there's a difference in the intention of just making money versus doing a job that gets me by and allows me the time to focus on what I love doing. So two different intentions. Her intention is I need to be back on top again. I got to get back on top again. I'm going to use spirituality to get back on top again. I'm going to use spirituality to manifest. Manifesting happens when you manifest things for the highest purpose, number one. And number two, you manifest them when you believe they can happen. And to the extent you believe them is to the extent they'll happen or the the rate at which they'll happen. So most people fail in those two reasons. The intentions are wrong and they don't really believe it. Uh huh. They don't deep down believe it. They're dreaming. Uh, they've been told to do their vision board and cut out the private jet that the man of their dreams they're going to call in who's 6'2 and has a, a two day stubble uh, is going to come along and take them out of their shitty life. But they right. don't really believe it. They're just going through the motion sort of. Right. And I look at my book as like the, the starting point of being able to manifest because you follow those seven habits and practice them you're going to be able to create an inner stability and an inner voice that supports your next step rather than sabotaging it. So if you don't have fear for the outcome, you do accept things for how they are. You don't judge yourself or other people. You do live with love and compassion. You do focus on happiness as a state of being, not an emotion. And you do have faith. You nail those things. And I mean, it might take years. You nail those things. The next step is easy, which is, I don't need to worry about making money because I'm happy, but I really love this. And I really want to have tremendous amount of success in this. And then all of a sudden these things will begin happening because you're not sabotaging yourself anymore. Right. I need this for money. I need this for stature. I should have this. They shouldn't. Why are they getting promoted? And I'm not. All that judgment and that yeah. the unacceptance and lack of faith. You have to have faith to let go. Yeah, Luke, uh, Luke's story on my show said that you have to be in a state of extreme gratitude for where you are and what you have right now in order to, you know, tee yourself up to manifest uh, further abundance. And uh, I, I thought that was a really nice way to put it because uh, most people are looking at this uh, from a point of desperation. And, you know, well, let's talk about gratitude. Um, you're reprogramming your brain to say, Outcome doesn't matter. I'm grateful for what I have. And I use a phrase, life is enough. Life is enough. I'm alive. Okay. Number two, gratitude is I'm accepting what I have. I'm not afraid of what I don't have. Desire is fear. And I'm accepting what I have. Okay. 
Number three, gratitude is not judging other people's, other people and yourself because judgment requires a standard and you need a standard to judge against. When you're grateful, you remove that standard, okay? Number four, gratitude is, is a step towards happiness. I'm happy with what I have. I truly am grateful for what I have. I'm happy with what I have. I'm grateful for being alive, okay? Number six, love and compassion. Compassion is a misdefined word. We can get in that later, but gratitude is giving. I'm so thankful for what I have. I can give some of it away. I don't need to protect it, right? And, and faith as well. Let's just say faith. But, practice, but it's not just having gratitude. It's practicing gratitude because you have to believe it. And I, I use my steps as ways to help get there. Like, let's take it in digestible pieces. Not a fear for the outcome, accepting for where they are, don't judge. These are practices not to stop you from being grateful. Hawkins says that the only real way to increase your vibrational energy is through gratitude and reverence for life. Makes sense. Because all biology can recognize one thing. All biology. Trees, horses, cows, worms, bacteria can all recognize one thing. And that is what supports life. So reverence for life, gratitude, other biological things, their protoplasma, their senses, their se a worm sense go up for water. A tree, I need to look deeper roots for water, right? A dog, where can I get food? They'll all go to what they believe supports life. They have sensors in their cells that says this supports life. Right. And as a human, if you give off the energy that you support life, reverence for life, gratitude, then other things will recognize that you support life and they will feel comfortable around you. They will go to you. He calls it a quantum attractor pattern. Hmm. And does that include uh, uh, material? objects like money or what is he what is he referencing he's, he's a when concept they... it's an idea it's just an idea it's not even real it's a it's an imagined yeah. reality right yeah money is just an imagined reality it's just a thing um if you i can tell you the more conscious i become and the more i practice the easier animals come up to me hmm. because they're not afraid Right. The animals have that sense, especially the dogs, domesticated animals. They can they can sense fear and they can sense the fear in the owner. And then the dog get, gets on a leash and barks at the other dog instead of just, you know, has a chill encounter in the park. Right. I have this experience where a hummingbird flew into my garage up to the window and he was bumping against the window. And I walked up to it and it got a little crazy and then it stopped and I picked it up. Huh. A hummingbird picked it up, walked it outside and I just let it go. And it wasn't afraid. I mean, those things like that happened to me more and more. Uh, I was in... As you vibrate world. higher and higher. Huh? As you vibrate higher and higher. They, yeah. they, they, right. There's reverence for life. Uh, and so, I mean, I've heard these insights applied to that, uh, that you know, manifesting game of uh, attracting people who are going to uh, lead you to open doors and, and amassing more wealth and affluence. Uh, when you're vibrating uh, properly and then, then you're open to it rather than uh, closed off with your head down and, and missing out on opportunities because your mindset's not there. Well, you, you, 
you do send out energetic signatures. Emotions are energetic signatures. You just said it, a dog being afraid of you because you're afraid. You you have an energetic signature, whether you like it or not. It's it's it is a it is a scientific thing, right? Yeah, the Celestine prophecy was all about uh, the invisible. Uh, energy between two people and there's usually a competition for power unless you kind of learn how to go with the flow and leverage each other's power and i'm kind of referencing those insights as you as you describe this stuff but everything biological goes counter or paradoxical to spirituality because the biology says live survive find things that support us right the human body with its ability for cognition which no other animal has is now being paired up with a biological unit so we're giving biology imagine if a dog had the cognition of a human what that dog would be doing right so we're giving our mind cognitive power with our biology but our mind also acts on behalf of our non-physical side this energetic side and the more we stay away from biology the more power we have to choose over biology we create more and more reverence for life. We create more and more gratitude. Because a squirrel, if it has a million nuts in its hut on a rainy day in November, is going to go out and look for more nuts the next day because it doesn't have the ability to say, I'm grateful I have so many nuts. In fact, I have so many I can give them away. It doesn't have that ability. It's going to go out and look for more nuts. It's in its nature. And we have the ability to go against our biology and have gratitude. So the more you break your biology, the more you're gonna create reverence for other lives. The more you're gonna have other beings, other, it's beyond the brain. It's at a cellular level. Humans and animals will feel safe. They'll feel safer around you. That's just the way it is. And that's where manifesting comes from. You're now pulling these things into you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it still freaks me out sometimes. Something's happened to me. I'm just like, whoa, like that is just too weird. Like, what? You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone can reference these uh, stories of life, like the incredible coincidences of uh, feeling uh, desperate and scared because you don't have any money. And then the next day, uh, a check arrives in the mail unexpectedly uh, and, and all those kind of things that kind of, uh, confirm that there's something magical going on here that are that's beneath the surface of our awareness or that's you know measurable by science. I, I told you the million dollar issue I had with my business. Did I tell you about that story? I don't know. So when my business was shutting down, my ex-wife was trying to sell it without me knowing. And she eventually uh, put two people on the board that I didn't know. That oh yeah, you told me some of this, yeah. From Philadelphia. And she had an offer to sell the company. And she decided to have a board meeting. And I, you know, emergency notice, board meeting in five hours. And I said, I can't make it in five hours. She said, too bad, we're going to have it without you. So I called into the meeting and I said, if anyone votes, I'm going to sue every single person on this phone call because I'm on the board and I am the CEO. And if anyone votes on this without 24 hours, without me looking into this, I will sue every single person on this phone call. So they postponed it. And I went home that night and she really undersold the company. It was a complete fiasco. She'd already tried to sell it. The word got out. People were quitting. I'll never forget standing outside of my house in the woods. Um, just like, wow, wow. So the next day I went to the gym 
And uh, it wasn't a normal time and went to the gym. It was an abnormal time and went to the gym. And as I'm walking into the locker room, a guy I know in the industry is walking out. Could have missed him in 30 seconds. 30 seconds, bam. And he says, hey, I heard you're selling your company. I said, yep. He says, well, I'm kind of interested. What's, what's going on? I said, well, if you're interested, you got eight hours to make an offer because we're voting in eight hours. And if you're interested, we better talk. He says, let's talk. So I said, let's go to coffee. We go to coffee. He says, tell me and write up the offer so I don't have to get into a pissing contest over competing with somebody else. So I took the other offer. I added 10% more royalties and added a million dollars to the price. And I said it to him, I said, if you can do this, then we have a deal. And he said back, I can do this. And he signed a letter of intent and I made a million dollars and 10% more on the company because I ran into that guy. And he owns the company today. What's, what's your takeaway from that? I don't know. You take, you take away whatever you want from it. I mean, one minute, 30, 30 seconds different. I wouldn't miss that guy. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's karma is one of them because you did your best to build that company. It, things got screwy and uh, it turned out that you had a nice upside that was I didn't des- make deserving. that money. It just paid off more debt. Right? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a more deserving transaction. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's an example of karma and I definitely believe in that. You keep putting it out there and positive energy and all that. And that guy had a pre-existing relationship with you where, where he respected you and trusted you so he could make a deal in eight hours. Yeah, that's a great one, man. For millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know that, I mean, if karma is the right word as much as it is that attractor pattern of, of, of trust and, and reaching through the networks of things that I know to bring those things to me I mean, in the, in the book, Power Versus Force, Hawkins uses Gandhi as an example of incredible power, incredible power, power that took no energy, power that created energy, where the English empire was force. It needed energy to maintain force, and Gandhi did nothing to create power. He got more people on his side. He got more influence with the country. He didn't produce propaganda or produce guns or spend money or have warships. He just had a shit ton of power that beat force. And that was an incredibly vibrational um, attractor pattern to influence people. Or people said, that's reverence for life. That's safe. That's going to help me. That's what I need to do. That's who I need to listen to. We still have people doing that to us every single day, sometimes in an untoward manner, but trying to prey upon our uh, receptivity to that and then uh, lure you in and manipulate you, it, it seems to me, especially with the, that, that's what marketing is in a way. Yeah, but they play, they play advertising. But, they're, but they're, they're playing with your biology, your force, not your power. They're playing on fear, not love. Those are two things in the same spectrum, fear and love. As you let go of fear, you create more love. It's not all or nothing. It's you're sliding up the scale. And when you have more love, you're just shedding more fear. If you want to get rid of fear, let more of the opposite in. If you want to be more spiritual, let more of the opposite go, your biology. Right? You want to have more power, let go of the opposite, force. Power is letting go. Force is holding on. Hmm. 
right? Power is, is non-resistance. Force is resistance. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have to let the other in at the same time you're shedding the others. You're, you're, doing, you're hitting it from both sides. Same with being happy as a state of being. Yeah. Just let go of a lot of your uh, ruminations in your mind and, and all those things. You let go of the things that make you unhappy and what will be left is happiness. And that practice of getting rid of stress and anxiety and fear um, help you have to reprogram your brain because you're only afraid of something because your brain says you should be afraid of it. If you reprogram your brain, you will no longer be afraid of it. Like I used my example with my son who has some depression. I said, if there was a kid in London that had a privileged life, this wonderful life of privilege, and all of a sudden the family Something happens to them and they have to move to a crappy tract home in East San Jose on ABC Street. Okay. How would that kid feel? Like, well, he'd probably be sad. Okay. Now let's take a kid from the slums of Mumbai who's never lived in a house before, who can barely have food and water, and something happens to his family wonderfully, and they move into a house in East San Jose. Next door. <laughs> What's he gonna feel? So well, well happy. Same house, same street, two different positionalities can create two entirely different emotions. So our programming creates the emotion, not the situation itself. And so you practice recreating those, changing those programs. I do it all the time. I'm not always like this. I do have moments where I'm like, fuck. And then I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm not fuck it's just my brain and it's just the way i was raised and i can get rid of that and just go away go away come on go away we haven't gone away yet go away go away go away love it man a daily practice every moment it's more than daily it's all the time dave rossi the imperative habit go grab it on amazon right it's for sale and ready for uh life transformation yeah and let's let's do the biology thing some of that's a whole hour we'll just talk about cause and effect stimulus and emotion that's on our next show what's that that's on our next show we had a wonderful show here right off the cuff uh spontaneous and uh i thank you for uh for all those insights that was a a great journey and yeah we'll get into the uh the biology next time all right sounds good (laughs) dave rossi people Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves because they need to. Thanks for doing it.